0: Alright everyone, welcome back to Creepy Campus Podcast. Uh, I am alone this week, which is actually really weird. I don't know how Doug did this last week. Um, Talking on my own here is really, really strange. Uh, I do it all day at work, but doing it here feels a little different. Anyway, so we are winding down this season and we were splitting some of this workload up. Uh, Just to to keep our schedules a little (laughs) little more intact. And yes, it is 10 o'clock at night and I'm recording this, but that makes it fun. (laughs) So, since I don't have anything goofy to talk about with Doug, we're going to go ahead and jump right into our story. This week my story comes from Memphis, Tennessee. Which is um, an interesting concept that I'm not from Tennessee and I'm going to talk about it. But we are going to talk about the Brinkley Female College. Which is a really interesting story um, that I've been researching for a little while now. Just just to try and like get a better sense of what was going on there. Um, so I have to really heavily thank uh, Haunted Memphis. It's a book written by... Laura Cunningham and this story that she she kind of unfolds in here it's it's too long for me to try to do the whole thing here um, if I did it the way that she explains it but uh, consider this a condensed version of the story that Laura tells in there about the Brinkley female College. Uh, so okay let's let's get a little background here and say that around 1855 to 1859, Colonel W.J. Davey built a grand two-story mansion on 5th Street where it ends at Georgia. This classical revival mansion had a stately portico, I think that's how you say that, uh, with six tall iconic, not iconic, oh my god, my period-styles professor would be so mad at me, um six tall ionic columns across the front and stood on a small hill as most colleges do Uh, but this mansion was surrounded by a grove of really mature trees and in 1866 davy sold the home to colonel robert c brinkley who renovated the building to house the brinkley female college which was a boarding school for 40 to 50 students So we start out with this building not actually supposed to be a college, an institution at all, and they renovate it to do so. And the interesting thing here is that almost immediately after opening, the school acquired a reputation for being weird, really, really strange. It could have originated because of Davy, who went bankrupt and then eventually insane, but it's really the events of February 1871 that made this... This uh, institution have a, a really rich history with the supernatural and ghosts. Uh, so on February 1st of 1871, the young student, Clara Robertson, only 12 at the time of this event, was alone in the upstairs hall practicing the piano. She looked up from playing and she saw another girl around eight years old, standing in front of her. Now, this girl was wearing a moldy pink dress. Her flesh was decayed. And immediately what struck Clara over all of those things was that she was transparent. She had not, uh, she didn't really have a solidness to her. So obviously, this, is a, this scares a 12-year-old girl. So Clara runs into the other room, uh, jumps into a bed. She watches as the ghost comes toward her and even like closes her eyes, buries her face into the bed. And she's kind of willing this event to be over. And eventually, the girl in the pink dress, this ghostly figure, leaves the room. So, of course, Clara's going to run down the hallway to tell everyone she can find what's just happened. But no one in the building believed Clara, and she left the school crying, only to return the next day to nothing happening. So, this leads Clara to believe that this must have been a prank, Right. So all the other girls got together and they decided to prank her because she's one of the students who doesn't live at the the school. She lives in town in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, But that is until she and two other girls a couple days later are alone in the music room. And these girls again see the ghost. Now it's one really important thing, it's never reported that anyone else sees the ghost but Clara. But the girls are still freaked out. And this time, the ghost spoke to Clara. The ghost told her that there were valuable items buried on the property. And she even says 50 yards outside of the, the building itself, like she's trying to give a direction to tell her. And, again, a teacher doesn't really believe her, but it's very sensationalized again in this moment, so she just goes home, right? A week later, she's back at school, and she's left alone in the schoolyard while they're trying to figure out what this ghost thing is. Um, they're talking to the other students to see what they say about it. And while Lizzie, while Lizzie, while Clara is alone on the schoolyard, the ghost appears and says that her name is Lizzie. She even says, I'm not here to hurt you. Lizzie goes on to tell a story to Clara about how this house and this land, it all used to to belong to her family, but it was taken from them illegally. Lizzie tells Clara that she wants her to find the valuable items and papers that are buried and use them to take possession of the property. And she even issues a warning and says that if Clara doesn't do this then she will never do good to or for anyone. And that's kind of an ominous thing to hear coming from a ghost, right? <laughs> um, so her parents take this very seriously, Clara's parents. And they believe that Clara is seeing a ghost. So they reach out to a medium, a spiritualist, and they hold a seance at Clara's home. And later at this seance, Lizzie takes control of Clara's body and uses her to write to the people in attendance. And what she tells them is that under a stump, the very stump that she was standing on when Clara saw her in the schoolyard, under that stump there are buried many things, lots of things. I think that it was described as like jewelry, like golden jewelry, like really expensive things, but also the title papers to the house, so the the father, Clara's father, goes and talks to uh, the owners of the school. I think that their last name was Meredith or something. But the the point being with this, that they agree to let the stump be removed and let them dig because they're they're saying that okay, if we don't let you do this, then this whole ordeal will just get worse and worse and worse. And the story's going to be, you know, more exaggerated as time goes on. Now, they are doing this to avoid a sensation. But it ends up becoming a much larger sensation. Because hundreds of people flock to become onlookers as they dig. Because they've all heard this story. It's being reported in the papers. All these, these ghost sightings. Um, so they're there, they're watching as they dig, and they discover under this stump a layer of bricks that are visible once that stump is removed. Now, while this is happening, it doesn't really work out for Clara, who thinks that, I guess, she thinks that she's kind out of out of it now. She doesn't have to be involved. They're doing what Lizzie asked. But the problem is, at home, while Clara is at home, she sees Lizzie again. But this time, Lizzie's angry. She's angry that Clara herself isn't digging. So, Clara goes to the school, and when she's there, she is convinced to call on Lizzie, who appears, again, only to Clara in this group of people, but Lizzie only appears to Clara and says that she has to be the one digging. So... Clara, I mean, true to her character in this, she steps into the hole to start digging. And once she steps in, she immediately faints. When she is brought to, when she comes to, she tells them all that she's had a vision. And this vision is of a jar. It contains so many beautiful, valuable things and papers. And it's very clear to her that it is there under that brick. Okay, this is a wild, wild ride, you know? So, at another seance, because of course they're going to have another seance, the jar is discovered. Okay? They know exactly where to dig, where underneath there to dig. But Lizzie demands that it not be opened for 60 days. And I'm, okay, whatever. We're, okay. This has become part of the, the community at this point, so yeah, why not? Why not just do it like that? So they decide to, to, to do it, to, to wait the 60 days, but the problem with waiting the 60 days is that that becomes a public event, and they're actually going to hold it in an opera house. They're going to hold the actual opening of the jar in an opera house at this point, So, that actually never comes to pass. Because Clara's father is attacked at a party in his own home. Four men show up and they attack him and demand to know where the jar is. So, they end up taking the jar and it's disappeared. We don't know to this day where that is. So the sensation with this story, um, the fear surrounding it, it proved too much for the college, and ultimately that college closed. And since this time, the building has become a home once again, uh, apartments. uh, Ultimately, it was deconstructed, though, because they were planning, there was a company that was going to use it for another thing, so that there was a wealthy man who deconstructed it with plans to rebuild it actually over across the river in Arkansas. But in each incarnation, however, the old Brinkley female college was said to be haunted by Lizzie's ghost. There are multiple, multiple uh, experiences that are reported in this building, this house, this huge and beautiful house that have some connection to Lizzie. And sometimes they're even saying that they see Lizzie. So, even after the building's gone, a new structure's constructed in its place, Lizzie's presence is still felt there. So, this leaves us with a weird question: Where is the jar? Or, or am I the only person that's that concerned about the jar? Like, this all happened years ago. This happened in the, the like, 1930s, if I'm remembering correctly. Like, this is an old mystery that's still not solved. And, and we lose track of Clara. They don't actually know anything about her. There are multiple reports of her. Uh, throughout history, and one of the major ones is that she becomes a spiritualist, but then also some of them say, like, oh, no, she's not a spiritualist. She married some 70-something-year-old widow for his money. Um, it, it just there, we don't know what happened to her during this time, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm interested to hear what you all have to say about that. So if you know anything about this one, this is a really hard one to research. There's not much out there because it was such a short-lived college. But if you know anything about this one, please reach out. Um, Email us at creepycampuspod at gmail.com or creepycampuspodcast at gmail.com. I can't remember. Doug will kill me later for this. But you can also do social media, which is (laughs) pod. um so reach out if you know anything about this i would love to hear um, a firsthand account or or maybe you grew up in the area or you've been there longer and you might know something i don't know but yeah so thanks for listening to my short episode and we'll see you soon